This is Chelsea. It's Catherine. And we're talking about the no-nos. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience. And should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children. And please be aware it may be triggering. Okay, so today's quote bomb is my favorite quote bomb that any guest has brought. So Holly is our guest today. Good job, Holly, thank on this you. quote. Thank you. Thank my therapist, because I welcome. did not give this or find this. She gave it to me. <laughs> well, good job, therapist. Um, it, today's quote bomb is long and worth it. And it is from Danielle Kopik, we think. Mm-hmm. That's as good as we get. You'll see the, we'll put it up on all of our stuff. Yes. So your trauma is valid. Even if someone else went through the same experience, doesn't feel debil- debilitated by it. Even if it could have been avoided, even if it happened a long time ago, even if no one knows, your trauma is real and valid and you deserve a space to talk about it. It isn't desperate or pathetic or attention seeking. It's self-care. It's inconceivably brave. And regardless of the magnitude of your struggle, you're allowed to take care of yourself by processing and unloading some of your pain you carry. Your pain matters. Your experience matters. And your healing matters. Nothing and no one can take that away drop mic maybe we can put in like a sound effect of it i just feel like that quote because <laughs> i feel like so good. good it's really powerful yeah it really yeah. like hits you right and where you need it really? in the feels and all the feels yeah so good so good job i mean i feel like we should maybe give her like a special treat for that the best quote bomber okay. that should be a thing right on our episodes uh, maybe yeah i mean coffee I w- mug coming your way <laughs> i'll take an award i don't get many so please please <laughs> Okay, so today's episode, we have Holly, which I've already introduced you to. She has kindly come on to talk about her uh, experience with infertility. So really quick, I wanted to put out there that one in eight couples experience some type of infertility. Her and her husband um, tried for eight years, right, to have a child. Yeah, it was about eight years. And they have something that's called unexplained infertility. Yes. So I want you to just kind of, I know that's kind of self-explanatory, but talk a little bit about that. Um, We both tried many tests and different things to try and get diagnosed. And um, we're both two very healthy adults who have no explanation of why we couldn't have a baby. It just didn't happen for us, Mm -hmm. no matter what we tried. And no matter what test they did, it all came back great. And here we are. (laughs) Oh, so frustrating. So the answer with no answers. It was um, never an answer. All the tests, I just kept waiting for an answer and we both did. And Mm. um, it's much easier for a man not to get an answer because it's pretty simple, straightforward. You know, they Mm. measure your sperm and you either got it or you don't. And then with women, that's much more complicated. Mm. But every one of my tests always came back. I was fine. I had eggs. I did all the things and nothing happened. Mm. Well, I wanted to say that because when... I know you and you're my friend. Hi. And I never heard that. I mean, I didn't know there was many different layers to different diagnoses of infertility. And that was. Yeah, there's many different layers. It's very complicated and very. um, It's just it's hard. There's just so many different things and they never know what's going to work or what they're going to give you to try. And Mm -hmm. um, there's not a clear path for anyone when it comes to fertility, really, unless you just can. Right. Make babies like a, you know, like a typical person, then there's no clear path. Hmm. It's kind of just 
briefly share with us just some of the things that you and your husband tried? Okay. So it's a long list, but this is just, and I don't really want to go into it because it's still a little sensitive for me. Um, But let's see. I did lots of fertility drugs from pills to injections. Um, I did endometrial ablation, uh, partial insemination, which basically isn't like IVF, but kind of just see if you can, you know, get the get it to click without doing the IVF. Um, I did my eggs were harvested. I had so many appointments and consultations and visits upon visits of just countless people telling me, we don't know why this is happening to you or why it isn't happening for you. So mm. that's just some of the stuff. But mm, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot more to it. Eight years of that. Yeah. And then um, just they try one thing and then it wouldn't work. And they said, okay, well, let's try this. And then that wouldn't work. And um, not only was it eight years of this, but it was eight years of it not being covered by any insurance. Zero percent at the time. Now it's a law in the state of California that they have to at least cover 50%. Yes, it just passed. Um, But yeah, no insurance coverage of any kind because it was considered, you know, specialists. So no, I didn't realize that. That's new to me because I know. So my parents went through infertility for Ugh. like ten years, and they took everything that they had saved for like a house and all of that, put that all into the treatment because it wasn't covered. Yes. But I, I always thought of that as being so long ago, and there had been so much change and stuff. Now, as seeing it as more covered, which was just like I guess kind of a little ignorance on my part. So, um, I yeah, I thought more of it was covered. Yeah. And, you know, no. more recently, but it just now. Wow. I think it's been maybe like, I want to say within the last year, I'd have to look at the exact date, but okay. um, yeah, it's really, really recent. Wow. And yeah. And we're like, you know, it's been years since we've even done any kind of fertility mm-hmm. treatments, but yeah, it's not great, guys. Wow. <laughs> so it's a great that was that so that had to been just like it's a financial burden. It's an emotional burden. It's like just the layers and layers and layers of trauma. Yeah, and it just um it spirals real fast. Like everything just keeps going and going and you're on this train and you feel like there's no stop button because you don't know when to stop. You don't know when it's yes. okay to say like okay, enough is enough. Um mm. because when is enough? How are you supposed to stop? Basically, for me, it was just I had had enough. My body had had enough and we couldn't afford anymore. Speak a little bit on like how you're saying like your body had enough. Like what does it do physically? Um, it makes you just feel like a shell of yourself, basically. I, uh, I couldn't really function normally. I was functioning normally on the outside, I think. Everything seemed okay, I think, to everyone. Because, you know, like, as women, we always say we're fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Um, but on the inside, I could not hold it together mm-hmm. at all. When I was ever alone or by myself, I would just, I mean, complete, like, breakdowns. Mm-hmm. My body was just always in pain. Um, and just, you know, it feels like... <laughs> Your menstrual cycle times like a billion. I was gonna all okay. the time hmm. because you're on hormones and then they okay. take you off of hormones. They put you back on and then you know you're getting these treatments that just make you feel like you are just outside of your body. Oh, that's so really much just outside of your body. You know, so it's um yeah, physically I, it's really really um tough. I don't know what even the right word for that is, but. Even years later now, and I'm so far on the outside of it, it's still affecting my body. Really? In so many ways. I am just got diagnosed as perimenopausal. 
So I'm clicking into menopause and they say that's due to like doing all the fertility really? treatments. Oh, wow. Because so, of like the influx of the hormones? Yeah, just uh, my body, like my hormones still don't really self-regulate very well. So, you know, it's just a gift that just keeps on giving. Oh. It's just, it's a tough road. That's so, so hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think, just something that if someone hasn't experienced that or hasn't had somebody close to them experience yeah. it, doesn't realize that it is a physical toll toll on your body for years. Oh, absolutely. And um, just the whole thing when you're going through it, it's so physically exhausting. I mean, I was just, you're so tired all mm -hmm. the time and you're up and down. I mean, it's constantly just it's just a spiral. It's like a downward spiral that you can't jump out of. It's just this train that just keeps on going. And, you know, they're constantly filling you with different things. So your body can never regulate to anything. So, yeah, you you hear people just saying like, oh, I went on birth control and my body couldn't handle it. So I had to get just something simple as that. Of right. like, Oh, yeah. Going on just a little bit of mm -hmm. what is that? Hormones? Yeah. Synthetic it's hormones. Something like yeah. that. Right. Like yeah. how people are like that whacked me out so bad. I had to go off. Oh. of it. I couldn't even imagine all the stuff you were yeah, putting into your body. It and can how. be really um, not only detrimental to like your physical health, but it's so um, emotional. Like yeah, it's the just so side of that. the mental mm -hmm. side of it, you know, not even just the emotional mental side of it, but the mental side of it of like your body just not being able to just regulate in any way mm -hmm. just really is it's exhausting. It's so it's constantly exhausting. like unstable, right? Yeah, you feel... Um, the only way I can describe it, like to a woman who has not had any kind of like fertility treatment or infertility treatment of any kind is like, imagine your worst period and then just like have that constantly happening. Yes. Just, you know, the the emotion and the up and down and the mm -hmm. back and forth. It's like that all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. So you can never just find, you know, peace. Yeah. That peace mm -hmm. just never comes to you. It's just your... And all that over must take a huge like relational toll i would think as well oh yeah that's definitely um the darker side of infertility is you know nobody tells you that like 85% of people that go through this couples regardless of who you're partnered with uh mm -hmm. divorce or you, separate did you say 85% it's about 85% wow that's a huge huge number wow yeah. and i personally know people who haven't made it through the other side and we went through some really dark times as well. I mean, mm -hmm. I think as a couple, we are very lucky. We've been a couple a very long time, even before we started trying to have a baby and very stable, very loving relationship. Mm -hmm. But um, it's so isolating that you can't even talk to your partner about it at certain mm -hmm. points. You just um, you just kind of are there together, but you're so separated, <laughs> so separated. Speak a little bit about the loneliness that you felt in it. I know you've like Oof. talked about this before, but I kind of want to just touch on like, just touch more on that. Um, I think the loneliness of it is just as a woman, especially, you know, as an adult woman, you just so much worth is put on mm. the fact that you should be a mother. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not a mom in our society and something's either wrong with you or, emotionally wrong with you or you're selfish or you know and nobody knows what you're really going through but mm -hmm. you know everyone around you is having babies mm -hmm. and all your friends are having babies and all my friends were having babies and I was throwing baby showers and you know and it's just it's just um 
I don't know what the right word is. It's just very isolating. I've never felt more alone in my entire life than I did when I was going through infertility. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very, very lonely. It's just very dark and lonely and nobody talks to you about it. Mm. Nobody says anything to you. Um, my closest friends never said anything to me about it, never asked me any questions, never, you know, and I, I understand the side of that where people don't know what to say, right. so they don't yeah. say anything at all. Mm-hmm. But that's so hurtful. But it's the worst. It's pretty much the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, right. um, yeah, I've never been more alone. And did you want to talk about it? Absolutely. To like, especially to your closest yeah. friends. I mean, I just, it was so hard for me because everybody was having all this joy in their life and right. these yeah. babies were coming left and right. And I mean, I'm so happy for them and I love these kids so much. Like they're just such a big part of my life. But on the other side of it, I just kept waiting for someone to be there and just ask like, yeah. you know, how's it going or how are you doing or what are you going through? And that never came. It never just came to, like, from- see you. Yeah, I just really needed to be seen and listened to. And um, it never happened. It never, nobody ever asked me that. Not once. Mm -hmm. Um, My own family, my closest friends. I could barely talk to my husband about it because we were both just so sad, you know. And um, yeah, it was really, really bad. Yeah, I just breaks my heart i know i feel i know i'm like my heart hurts so bad for you right now (laughs) but i also just want to like acknowledge the fact that i think you talking about this right now is so brave and courageous and i know so many other people in my life that are close to me that are experiencing these things and going through it and so i'm grateful for you speaking about it and giving a voice to that to that pain and and really to the voiceless and to being able to look at that and go okay like what what can I do better? Which I know we'll talk about a little bit later yeah. on, but of that, um, like how, how can I see, how can I see the people around me? How can I see the people in my life that are going through this? I think it's hard um, to notice sometimes when people are going through something so dark, even if you know they're going through challenges, because especially as women, mm-hmm. we are taught to compartmentalize and just mm-hmm. put our feelings aside and just keep, saying everything's fine and Mm -hmm. that's just what we do in the society is everything's fine because we don't want to rock the boat or go against the norm and I mean if you would have talked to me three or four years ago I wouldn't have been able to talk about this Mm -hmm. as openly as I am now I mean I've been through therapy and I've been through a lot of support groups and I've found people um, in my own life who have gone through similar things Mm -hmm. and that has saved me Um, yeah and then I kind of had this friend. Um, she was a friend of a friend for many years, and she came into my life um, closer to me than like being on the outside as like a friend of a friend. And she was the first one that ever asked me about oh. it oh. ever. And um, it, yeah, that started my process of kind of opening up and just thinking like, I really need help with this. I can't do this on my own anymore. I can't mm-hmm. carry this alone because. I didn't know it at the time, but I had slipped into a deep, deep depression, mm-hmm. like really deep. And um, I needed help. I was falling fast and I just didn't know it at the time. But it just took that one person. I know. It just um, takes one person. Shout out to my girl, Julie. I know. <laughs> she, job, I think she came into my life at just the right time because if she wouldn't have, I feel like um, 
a darker path might have happened. I probably just would have kept spiraling. Mm. And, you know, for her to ask me about it and kind of talk to me about it and become such a close person to me at that time, it really um, just needed that one person just to see how I was doing. And Mm. from there on, I thought, I really need to talk to someone about this. I really need to get some help. I was thinking this week, like about your episode and stuff and just my, just really thinking about it and trying to like, you know, read things and just like kind of just get my head around it or or whatnot. And I was just thinking, like I knew that, I know that this subject is a subject that nobody really talks about. Mm -hmm. It's a big no-no. It's a big no-no, right? And I was relating it to like my subject of sexual assault. Like, no, like I was like, man, nobody wants to talk about anything that has to do with like sex. No. Anything that's in sex or a kid, Mm -mm. especially both. (laughs) Right. And so I was like, really like feeling like, oh man, I, I can relate to some of what your story was where it's like such the no-no topic that like just no one says anything, which is awful. Mm-hmm. And like you're already feeling isolated. You're already feeling all of these things. And to not have like your closest people be able to talk to you. I'm so thankful of that for Julie, that she did do that for you. Because it does just take one person to help you feel seen yes. and validated. But I just thought that I don't have like a question for that. That was just kind of like what my like what I had to like resolve in my mind about it where I was like I just don't understand why some topics are like celebrated almost when people talk about them right and like oh that was a really difficult thing I'm so proud of you and like we're gonna post it and really root for this person Mm -hmm. while there's these certain topics that are so painful that usually involve anything sexual yeah or anything about a kid or any of that kind of area where just it's crickets yeah Yeah. nobody i being so far on the other side of it i understand that people don't want to hurt you more by saying anything so they don't say anything at all but they don't want to say the wrong thing absolutely and i think there are a lot of wrong things to say when it comes to this um i've heard them all i've been told them all (laughs) i've been you know, just people who don't even know me or... So then let's talk about that. Let's talk okay. about what are some of the no, the wrong things to say. Okay. To um, help it so it's not such a silenced thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, my best advice is if you don't know what to say or you feel like you're going to say something that's going to maybe make it worse or you think it might make it better, just sit with that person for a few minutes before you say anything. Just offer yourself as like... A, you know, just as a friend, just sit with them for a minute. Mm-hmm. But please don't say everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. And please don't say, number one, please don't say, why don't you just adopt? I am. Uh... Because that is, <laughs> and let me tell you, we started to go down that road. And that is a whole other subject that could yep. take up a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are the other things that, um, you know, well, maybe it's not in God's plan or... And that's, you know, that can be iffy too because, you know, that's a whole other box of yep. stuff to open. Yep. Um, yeah, those things were the ones I got the most or it will happen when you're ready or, you know, just relax or go on vacation. That was yes. the number yeah. one thing. Like if you guys just go on vacation and take some time, it's going to happen. Well, yeah. no, it's not, you know, not necessarily. And things do happen they just happen they don't there is no reason to things sometimes mm-hmm. you know that so just don't say that to someone mm-hmm. you know it's just um what were some of the right things that people have said to you 
the best things that anybody has ever said to me basically are just, um, I see you. Mm. Or, you know, I've had someone who, I don't know if she wants me to talk about her, but she's um, a friend in a group. Yeah, she's (laughs) a friend in a group that I was part of for many years that I'm still part of. Um, And she basically just didn't say anything. She just kind of sat with me and just offered herself and just, um, you know, just kind of acknowledge the fact that this is what I was going through. And if I needed her, she was there. She just like allowed you to be sad. She just allowed me to just be really, really sad. And she didn't try to fix you. No, not at all. Or like make it like a problem that they had to solve because yeah. your sadness was like an inconvenience. It's just almost as like I just, sometimes you just yes. need to be allowed to be sad. And that's a sad thing. I understand like sadness is hard for people. It's hard to sit in darkness with people. People want to give you this quick answer and this band-aid and there isn't one sometimes. The fact is that it's awful and it's sometimes the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you and there is no answer and there's no way to make that person feel better. The only thing you can do is just be with them. Mm -hmm. Just sit with them and, you know, offer yourself. Don't offer any advice or words, just yourself just yeah. be there you know yeah. and acknowledge it which that's absolutely the big part, is don't that not the, ignore like, it ignoring <laughs> that it's happening but just being able to be like this sucks i don't even know what to do but yeah right. i'm here like, i'm sorry i love you yes i love you this is the crap i'm sorry this is the crappiest thing that's happening to you and i'm sorry you're going through this yes. and i'm here yeah. you know and that's, that's it what, that's what i'm so thankful for you coming on here because those those are the things that like like you said like you know your friends and i know like people in my life that they they just don't know what to do, so they do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I think people being vulnerable enough to speak out about it mm-hmm. is teaching people how to just handle these hard situations. Yeah, absolutely. I know my friends. Like I have very, very amazing girlfriends who have been part of my life. Some of them, most of my life, mm-hmm. and um, I know how much they love me and care for me and want the best for me. But I also know how devastating it was to just feel so alone when I had all these mm-hmm. people around me who right. were such a big part of my life. Um, it was really, really hard. And I mean, I the only thing I can say is therapy saved my life. It yeah, literally good. saved my life. I was just I, gonna ask you that. So <laughs> what what helped you kind of get through um being in such a dark place? The first thing I did was I went and talked to my doctor and I just said, um, I'm not in a good place. I need some mm-hmm. help and I wanna stop doing all treatments completely. I'm done. Mm. I needed to draw a line with myself and my body. And I did that first. And then um, they referred me to a therapist and I saw a therapist for a couple months and we weren't the right fit. And then she referred me to a different therapist and she was amazing. Is she and the one that gave you this quote bomb? She's the one that gave me that quote bomb. Oh, and um, She is good. She's really... <laughs> we approve. Yes. I approve I of her. I love her so much. Um, she really... She changed my life and it's not Mm. like it's not an over exaggeration to say that she helped me save myself basically Mm. and what helped you in your marriage like oh I'm sure therapy (laughs) helped I might know like working on that but is there anything like for other couples that are struggling with that like do you have advice on like helping that's a hard one because relationships are so different um Mm -hmm. or what specifically helped you guys for me and my husband um I think we just started talking about it more and we stopped Mm -hmm. ignoring the fact that it wasn't, you know, it was actually happening. Mm -hmm. And 
it took a while. We went through a pretty dark spot. Um, things were dark for a while, which was very unusual for us. We're not ones that don't talk to each other. We're very open and honest and we always have been. And um, yeah, I think the fact that I was finally getting out of my own darkness mm -hmm. and just kind of getting air again and feeling my own light and just kind of starting to sit in that and feel how I needed to just really just crawl out on my own because it's so individual, um, especially as being the woman in an infertile couple. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a whole different ball game. So Ooh, speak, I really, on, speak on that a little bit. Uh, let me tell you. Speak so, on that, girl. Men have it pretty easy when it comes to infertility. I mean, they basically just get a few tests, do some stuff in a cup, and mm. that's pretty much the end of it. Um, we as women, since we have, you know, all the parts that carry the children, we are the ones who have to go through the main part. Because there's I mean, so many just, different things that could be yeah, a potential challenge. And as they're doing more and more tests and they're not finding anything wrong with you, then they're doing more tests. And then maybe it's this or maybe it's that. And um, oh, Because the men only have like one test to do. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much it. And like what you were speaking on earlier in the beginning was like how much physical pain you were in as well. Yes. They're not going through that. You're actually. No, there's yeah. um, none of that. So I think the burden of it falls on the woman. It just does. Um, I mean, in most things in life, but, you know, <laughs> as you know, um, it just it falls on you because you're the one who is supposed to be carrying this child and you're the one that's supposed to be growing this child. And it's mm -hmm. your body that you know, needs to be like open to this happening. And yeah, I mean, I tried everything and not only just the other treatments, but holistically too. So I don't want anybody to think that I skipped over the all natural stuff, but did, I did a lot of that too. Did you ever feel like, did there ever was a time where you felt like most of the blame was on you or did you ever struggle with that? Did you ever? Like... Um, I still struggle with that from time to time, especially when, um, you know, there's a certain time of year. It's usually in the fall. That was a big time of year when a lot of this hit me really hard. Mm -hmm. And when the fall rolls around, especially like October, November, that's really hard for me. Um, I still feel like somehow it's, well, I couldn't, I shouldn't say that because I've done a lot of therapy and it's helped me, but I did feel like a lot of the time it was my fault. Mm -hmm. Everything was my fault because there was no answer and everything should be working correctly. And you know, this isn't happening and why isn't this happening? And we don't know, we don't know. And so I thought, you know, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be a mom and, mm. you know, maybe this and that. And then, yeah, so there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of anger and sadness and kind of just like your mind kind of destructs and it yeah. just, it tears itself apart just feeling like how much of this falls on you and how, why isn't it happening and this and that and you're you just you spiral it's yeah. just like a deep deep especially, spiral especially because our brain works they say our brain works in like story right so it wants answers because it needs to be able to tell itself a story for what is going on and to have that like you said this unexplainable yeah. thing it's like our brain cannot accept that like this is just happening there's no explanation your right. brain just spirals so hard mm -hmm. trying to come up with answers constantly and I know in in things in my life I have experienced that and even going through therapy and all those things it's still hard and some days you're just like exhausted from your own brain trying to come up with answers for things you know that there's not 
really an answer for that you can't find and you're kind of done spending your time looking for those things. But sometimes your brain just will not give you a break. Oh, yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. You exhaust (laughs) yourself running in circles thinking like, okay, well, it must be this or it's that. And I always just thought, okay, if I just get an answer either way, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. That's all I kept telling myself was, okay, if this test tells me that I can't have this baby or these whatever for this reason, then I'm going to be okay. But that's not true either. I think if I would have gotten an answer, say, you know, oh, it's X equals Y, and this is Mm -hmm. why you can't have this baby. Well, I think I would have been in the same exact spot. Mm -hmm. But I also struggled for a long time not having any answers. It was the worst part about it. It was just like this circle. I just felt like, you know, a cat chasing its tail, like nothing Mm -hmm. was ever being resolved. Mm -hmm. And that for me was just awful. So when fall comes around and you talk about when things like that, even still, even though you've done so much work to process, when that starts to come up, do you have something specifically that you do now when that starts to to happen? Um, Yes and no. Um, So a big thing for me, and this is kind of weird and different, but... um, I need to be outside. I okay. need to be in my garden. That I need to be digging in the dirt. Garden is therapy 100%. <laughs> yeah. It, um, you know, like the dirt and therapy like saved me. Like mm. I need to go outside and sweat it out and connect to that because the earth is like a very important part of my life. And I really need to be connected with that to just make myself feel steady again. Okay. And um, that is just something that I pretty much need to do every day. I need to be outside and I need to feel the sun on my skin and I need to um, just be a part of that. That is really just a lifesaver for me. That, thanks for sharing that. You just I, said dirt and therapy sh- saved me and I feel like that just needs to like, like be, be a t-shirt. A t-shirt? A shirt? Because I feel like we might make a lot I of money. I feel like that. I know. When you said that, it was everything for me not to interrupt you and be like, do you know that you just said dirt and therapy saved me? Because that is... Maybe a million dollar idea right there. There it is. I we, love we it. We finally did it. <laughs> Maybe that will be your present for your quote bomb present prize. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I need to be a winner in some things, ladies, and um, I'll take it. So th- dirt and therapy saved you. Absolutely. But um, I know that you also have been a part of like other community groups of infertility. Speak on that a little bit. Or, I have. Like, um, so there's an amazing website called resolve.org. Okay. Um, they're actually just the great resource for all things infertility. Um, I kind of stumbled onto them through, I saw something posted at my OBGYN office that just like had this little card and it said something about infertility and resolve.org. So I took a picture of it with my cell phone and kind of forgot about it. And then a couple months later, I was going through pictures on my phone. I thought, oh, what is this? So I went on and looked and um, yeah, that was kind of just like a touchstone for me because then I realized like, oh, I am so not alone in this. There are so many women and men going Mm -hmm. through this and it really connected me online to people and um, it helped me find a local support group. I went through there and found one. Okay, so you went through a support group. I did. Um, For a short time. I didn't go for very long. It wasn't exactly for me, but... um, it did help a lot to mm-hmm. just kind of sit with people and talk about it like in real life. Yeah. I think I was kind of too far on the other side of it already and already okay. had done a lot of work, but it also, um, it, it definitely helped with the loneliness. Like I just mm-hmm. felt so connected to other people. And then 
that kind of opened me up to saying like in my head, like, okay, I need to talk about this because Mm -hmm. nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. You know, and I connected with a couple of people online through Instagram who I've been friends with for years. I was going to say that. I'm sure that you've met people on. I have. And that, um, that really connected me and just thought, why are we not talking about this with each other? Mm -hmm. Like if I would have had these people in my life when I was going through this, I would have been, it would have been so different. I mean, not Mm -hmm. to say that like I would have been like miraculously just like feeling great and everything would have been perfect but I also know that the loneliness would have been way way less absolutely Mm -hmm. so resolve.org they really are just a great organization just doing so much to like undo the stigma that comes along with Mm. this because there is a huge one it's a huge one I mean you know like I said before, so much of your self-worth as an adult woman is tied into being a mother and if you're not a mother well why you know, yes. and, and then it's people, just tons of. I'm sure you and your husband get asked, "When are you guys gonna have kids?" I'm well, sure it's just endless. Absolutely. I mean, we were getting asked that for years before we even got married because we were together for so long. But you know, and I understand that's the natural progression of what people want to ask you because marriage, kids, that's just what we do. And um, yeah, it's it's still difficult. I think so many people know my story now that we don't get asked that very mm-hmm. often anymore. Plus, we're a lot older now. You know, now that we're old, I'm. A young 42, but you know, you are a young, 42. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, it's hard to, because I, we were older when we got married, we were, you know, 30 and 31 and we'd already been together for 10 years at that point. And, you know, I think people expected us to just pop out a couple of kids right away. Yeah. And I think there were a few people that knew that we were trying to have a baby pretty much right around the time we got married. So I think there was a lot of expectations from mm. people too. So, um, that definitely didn't help that people are constantly asking yes. that because it's, you know, now Showing I don't have a business. It, now I don't have a problem saying like, yeah. you know what? It's yeah. none of your business. Yep. You yep. know, I have a lot of boundaries now with that. And I love it. I love the boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are a big thing for me. So um, I don't have a really hard time saying anything to anybody anymore about it when it comes down to it. Like, you know, mind your business. Mind your business. <laughs> Unless you're being helpful, mind your business. Yeah. So that's how Good I Good job. I, I, I respect that. So what would you, somebody listening that's struggling with infertility, what, maybe in their, just the beginning stages or, I don't even know the just stages Just starting to of walk it. the walk? I don't know. <laughs> somebody that's struggling with it, what, is there any advice that you would give them or just? Yes. I would suggest to be really open with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be painful um, physically, mentally. It's going to be awful. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. It's going to be the worst. And um, I wish that I would have opened up more about it. Um, I think I, in my mind's eye, I just kept thinking, oh, well, people should be asking me what's going on. And they know I'm going through this. So why isn't anybody talking to me about it? But for me... I think I was so busy trying to put on a brave face mm-hmm. and just be there for other people and support them through, you know, them having their babies and right. doing all the things that, um, I don't know. I just, like I said, I didn't want to be the Debbie Downer girl, yeah. but now I, in hindsight, of course, and, um, just be open, mm-hmm. be open and find people who are going to support you and mm-hmm. talk to you openly and honestly about it. And, you know, find your people who are just going to sit with you mm. and find a good therapist. Like start early. And dirt. Yes. And get that dirt. Get that dirt. <laughs> Sweat it out Put in it the in dirt. Yeah. Holly, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys. Giving us just a t- tons more insight on this. I know that this is going to help so many people. 
And I'm so proud of you for doing it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And you did a great job. Yeah. And even just the conversations that hopefully this will start for people in their lives and knowing that they're not alone, which is huge. And we talk about so much and knowing that like, this is something that everyone needs to be talking about, not just the people going through it, but the people who are loving people that are going through it as well. And that it's not this stigmatized taboo don't talk about a thing because that's just not helping anyone it's not helping anyone and that it's okay to feel it's okay to feel completely devastated and sad by something absolutely and you know what there is such an amazing life on the outside of not having kids and if that is the path that life takes you on um i mean i'm many many years on the other side of it now but i mean i love my life and i love my husband and we have such a great life without having kids that there is hope and happiness on the other side of it. There really, really is. And as much as you can't see it when you're sitting in the darkness, like there is so much light on the other side and it's just waiting for you. You just have to really claw your way out of it because it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of dedication to yourself. And, um, you know, that might feel selfish for a lot of people, but you have to do it. You have to put yourself first sometimes. And when Mm -hmm. it comes to this, like you just, just do it. You're a gym. Holly, you are a gem, and I love your story. Thank you. And there's just one quote I wanted to share. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you had something I'm deep in a memoir, like, binging phase right now. And um, there's there's this wonderful woman named Nora McInerney, who I love. And um, she has all these great memoirs about loss and grief and the things that nobody wants to talk about. And so I was listening to this a couple of weeks ago, and I just thought, if I could just like give this to everyone who like loved me and was like going through this with me, but didn't know what to say, just here it is. So it says, it's hard to sit with someone's pain and allow it to make you uncomfortable. It's much easier to try and fill that hole in the conversation with small talk or hand that person a tissue instead of offering them your shoulder. It's much easier to implore them to see the bright side than to be in darkness with them. But all I can say to that is please sit in that darkness with them. Just Mm -hmm. sit there and let it be dark. And you know what? Um, If that darkness invades you a little bit, just know how much you're helping that other person by being in it with them. So Mm. that was it. Thanks for back and Ernie. Two amazing quote bombs. Great. Now (sighs) two prizes. Can we even handle that? (laughs) (laughs) Just give me the (laughs) t-shirt. But yeah, so as Catherine already said, thank you so much for being willing to talk about this and to put words to what so many other people have been feeling and don't maybe don't know how to start that conversation to share it so i'm really grateful to you and for you to um be doing this so thank you and you can connect with us at um on instagram at talking about the no-nos and on our gmail talking about the no-nos at gmail.com and as always find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with